Welcome to Process to Profitability, a podcast all about the tools and strategies you need to serve your clients and grow your small business, hosted by me, Samantha Mabe of Lemon in the Sea. Join me as I chat with creative entrepreneurs and small business owners about how they built and grew their businesses and how you can do the same in a way that fits you. Let's get started. Welcome to episode 35 of Process to Profitability. Today, I am talking with Rena Pomeroy about using verticals to connect with your dream clients. This is a topic that I have learned from Raina in person, and I was so excited to be able to share it with you. So we talk about what verticals are and how they help you in your business, how you can figure out what that is for your specific business and what makes you different in the things that you talk about, as well as how you can plan content based on these big topics. Raina also talks about how she uses this method to create products and courses and different items for her dream clients. And then we have a discussion about how serving her clients well has benefited her business. And I actually share a little bit of what I have seen from the client side. So I am really excited for you to check this out. Raina Pomeroy is the owner and founder of Raina & Co., the life and biz success coaching practice for creatives who are right and heart-centered. She helps clients stop spinning their wheels and take action on what's most important. She's a certified professional co-active coach with over 1,500 hours of coaching under her belt, and she also co-hosts the Creative Empire podcast where she interviews leaders in the creative industry. She's based in Washington, D.C., but her clients and creative entrepreneur community live all over the globe, and as she mentions in the episode, she's actually getting ready to relocate to the West Coast. You can find Raina's work featured on Entrepreneur on Fire, Entrepreneur.com, Britain Co., The Huffington Post, HoneyBook, The Rising Tide Society, and Best Friends for Frosting. She also travels around the country speaking and educating creative entrepreneurs. So I hope that you enjoy this episode and it gives you a different way to think about how you want to organize what you're talking about in your business and how that can actually make it easier for your clients and customers to know what it is that you're an expert in. Hi, Raina. Thanks for joining me. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Yeah. So I read your bio at the top of the show, but why don't you tell us a little bit more about who you are, where you're from, and what you do? Sure. So I'm Raina, and I run Raina & Co. It's a life and business success coaching practice for creative entrepreneurs. I typically call my people who are you know, my clients or people in my community, they're right-brained and heart-centered, and typically they have lots of ideas and need help focusing on what's most important. I live in the D.C. metro area, but hopefully by the time this airs, we'll be moving to the West Coast. And I started as a social worker and a wedding planner, and now I get to do coaching for creatives. So how did you find out you wanted to work with creative entrepreneurs and business owners? Yeah, it's just such an interesting question. So I feel like with the creative online journey, it's so windy. I started thinking when I was a kid, I thought I was going to be an attorney. And (laughs) I graduated college at the height of the recession and realized that there weren't very many jobs and all the people who weren't getting jobs were going to law school. And so I took a lot of odd and end jobs. I ended up working for a political campaign, actually a few of them developed my skills there. I worked for nonprofits. I had a really windy path. 
when I kind of quote unquote settled down, I went to school to become a social worker. And during that path, I realized that the workload is really tough in the social work world. And I wanted to find something that was creative. And so instead of, you know, taking like a painting class or whatever, I started my wedding planning business. And I loved wedding planning and I loved my clients. But what I loved most about it was that I got to connect with amazing creative business owners who were doing it full time. You know, my business was always a side hustle. And it was really fun for me to be able to connect with people who were running businesses full time and also, you know, systematize and help them run more efficient, more effective businesses. And I realized that the talking to people side, which is what I used to do as a social worker and the side of the running of businesses made sense together. And I love the fact that I was able to do those things together for creatives. And it seemed really clear to me that that was supposed to be my next step. I think a lot of us have really windy journeys to get to where we are. It's not a path that I think a lot of people start out thinking they're going to run a business. Oh, totally. Yeah. And it just kind of falls into our lap because that's what we find out that we enjoy or we learn that we don't like working for other people like I did. Yeah. I don't really have like an entrepreneur in my family. And this was not like a path that was encouraged. (laughs) So it's kind of funny to see the transitions because now my sister and I are both entrepreneurs. And I think it's just kind of hysterical that that's just what has come of our careers. Thanks for sharing all of that. Today, we're talking about something you've talked a lot about recently, which is using verticals. And so I'd love for you to start by explaining what they are and how they help us in our business. Yeah, so I call it the verticals in strategic visibility. And when I started it, it wasn't this massive tool. It was made for me to organize all of the content that I was creating. But now I think it's taken a life of its own and it allows us to serve our clients better. And we can talk a little bit more about that, but also organize the things that we have in our businesses and to be able to create content more strategically and in a way that makes sense for the kind of products that we want to offer as well. So people have told me that, you know, it's like a simplified way of thinking about funnels. It's a tool that I use for visibility work, like pitching to podcasts or, you know, pitching to media, that kind of stuff. But it also helps me create better products for my clients. And so the verticals method is really just, it's a grid. For me, it's a four by seven grid, four across the top and seven down. And you can kind of organize it how you want and label the things on the side how you want. I think the simplest way to describe it is that you want to figure out what your topics are that you are going to be talking about, what you want to be known for. At the very beginning of my business, I was creating all kinds of content about all kinds of things that didn't really fit into any particular bucket. And so once I decided what my areas of expertise were, once I kind of played around and got feedback from people, it was really clear that I had several of them. And so once you put those topics on the top and then along the side on the left-hand side, it's going to be a couple different things. So the very top layer is your free, free, free content. That is value that you offer for absolutely nothing in return besides their time, I guess. So for instance, me coming on this podcast, it's free, free, free. I'm not asking you to give me your email address. You're just giving us your time as you're listening Mm -hmm. to this. Whereas the second tier, which is the opt-in, the opt-in could be anything. It could be a freebie. It can be a content upgrade. It can just be, you know, a webinar. Any of those things can be an opt-in. They're trading their email address 
for the content that you're providing them. The next tier is the small tier. And honestly, this is so different depending on what kind of business you run. So even if you are a product-based business, the price point might be different. If you're running a very high-end coaching or uh, graphic design practice or something like that, it's going to be a little bit different. So the price range I like to say for the small is five to $30, but that's for like an e-product business. So kind of go with your gut on this. And then a medium (laughs) tier, which is the fourth layer is kind of like in between small and large, right? Whatever feels right for your business, put that in. For my business, it's around like $40, $50 to like $200, which is a huge range. And like, it can like freak people out. Don't overthink it. And then the high tier is something that's premium. It's more hands-on for the person providing it. So that's the fifth tier, the high level. And then the next one is secret sauce. And this is one of my favorite things to talk about in business. What is your secret sauce, right? And this is where you define what makes you different about this particular topic. So one of my verticals is called, I mean, we can talk about verticals. Verticals is one of my verticals. Um, <laughs> is that meta or what, right? Um, one of my verticals is called social glue. And essentially, social glue is just a way for me to talk about networking. But I've named it something. I have a philosophy around it. And so I have a lot of points around secret sauce to help me differentiate networking from anyone else who talks about networking. And so my secret sauce is outlined. It helps me to be really clear on what makes me different, what makes me unique, what makes my talking points unique, and therefore I get to pitch it in a different way. And so this really helps you in the next tier, which is the keynotes and teaching points. Even if you're not giving full-blown presentations, you should know what your basic teaching points are, right? So whenever you're thinking about how this benefits your potential client, potential reader, consumer, the person you're creating the product for, what is it that they're looking to learn? And this is where that content lives. So you just fill it out for the rest of your verticals. And here's my pro tip is that you do not want to fill every single thing in. I would say first take a look at what content you already have and fill that in. And maybe if you're just starting out, you have like your high tier service. So you have like a coaching service or a full-blown design package or something like that. You plug that into the high and you might not have any small products and that's okay. So I just like to fill it out as I go. And this is like a living, breathing document that I use in my business. And so if you guys want to grab it, it's at rainandco.com slash verticals. Yeah, thanks. And I will link to that in the show notes so people can check it out. Perfect. And I love that you reminded everybody that they don't have to have everything to start out. I feel like a lot of times we think we need all of the answers and all of the blanks filled in before we start, but (laughs) it's really not practical to do that. I agree. Yeah. So do all of these things kind of lead into the same high-end package or should people have different ones for different verticals? Yeah. It depends on your business is the tricky answer. So say for instance, with a graphic designer, there might be one high-end service that everything is leading into right? Mm -hmm. Whereas small thing, like on the third level, I think that you're trying to answer one small piece that this person is struggling with. Whereas the high tier piece, that is more for somebody who wants it done, taken care of. I need you to serve me in this way. And it's kind of all encompassing. Yeah. So how do people go about figuring out what their verticals are, what these topics that they're talking about are supposed to be? Yeah, I love this question. Okay, so I think the easiest thing to do is start creating content. You know, the thing about throwing spaghetti at the wall and seeing what sticks. And when you get responses and feedback from people, that's when you know it's working. 
or not working, right? And when you create more content around this particular topic, you're going to get more resonance or dissonance from it. And I think we just have to get better and better and better at listening to our audiences and also finding out what it is that we like to talk about and what we know a lot about. So it's kind of like an intersection between what our people want and what we want to do. Yeah. I think what I struggled with when I was first trying to come up with like the topics I wanted to talk about was I didn't have enough things under that topic to then go into. I would like talk about it for three weeks and then I'd be done. So we kind of have to figure out what we have a lot of knowledge around that we can share. So we're not either always repeating the exact same content or running out of things to say. Yeah, that's such an interesting point too. I think that like you want to make sure that your bucket or the vertical is deep rather than just like a very simple topic, I think. Like how much depth can you get and mileage can you get out of talking about this topic and then figuring out how you can go deep with those things. So I think you're right in that like I think most people when they look at the grid, there's like four or five topics that you can do. And if you're just starting with this, I would say like pare it down to two. Or, you know, if you only have three, that's okay too. But like, I think that having fewer is actually better at the beginning and then figuring out how to expand. I actually had five at the beginning and I was like, wait, 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 this is way too much. And it helped me hone in on my message a little bit more. But now I'm able to say I have three concrete ones and I have like lots of teaching points under them. And then I have one that's sort of like a floating fourth that serves kind of like a catch-all, but it's not really a vertical that I teach on very much. Okay. So where do posts that are about personal life or just like things that are going on fall under? Is that its own vertical or is that sort of an extra thing that you throw in every once in a while? For me, it's like this floating fourth vertical. I call it like the heart centered business. That's kind of like the brand of my business anyway. And so I put it there or whenever we have guest bloggers or anything like that, we put it in that column. But here's the thing, right? You don't even have to have a vertical for this particular, I guess, the bucket that you're trying to talk about because the purpose of the vertical is so that you can organize information and figure out where the path leads to for the client or the potential customer. And so if you are not selling anything, then you don't really need to be talking about that. It's just part of your brand, if that makes sense. And so Mm -hmm. you don't need to necessarily create like a whole separate vertical. You can just have it be like, this is part of who you are, the part of the brand that you're running and how people can get to know you. So how do people, once they have these verticals in place, how do they go about planning content based on that? Love this. Okay. So one of the biggest things that I see people doing is that they don't organize their content in a way that makes sense for the buyer. So whatever you're thinking about promoting in the future, what content are you creating to support that sale, right? Like in order to ask for that sale, you want to make sure that people know that you are an expert in this or else people wouldn't buy, right? And so I like to do it in months. So you pick a month, you pick a topic and you kind of like ramp up in that vertical. Let's say your launch for something is in the third week of the month. You have several weeks in that month to ramp up whether you're doing podcast episodes that are going live or you have a blog post or Facebook live or Instagram stories, whatever whatever you're leading up to, ramping up to, creating a buzz around that topic and then launch it and then the next topic and then launch it. Like when I say launch, it doesn't have to be this like full-blown launch in a way that 
we're used to talking about in the online industry. I just mean like put it out into the world, make an offer and make some money off of it. You know, we want those cash injections coming in. We constantly create content, but then forget to promote it. And so we want to make sure that we're putting it out into the world and promoting it, showcasing it to people so that they can have access to it. Right. And you had explained this to me somewhere as, you know, we want to make sure that we're actually telling people how they can buy from us, that create content. And then you remind them that they can purchase. You're not always promoting something new. You don't have to create a new product every month, but you're just saying, okay, if this is information that was interesting to you, then this is how we can go a little bit further with it. Totally. I think that like we create these things and it doesn't work. And we're like, dang it, I have to create this new thing now because that one didn't work. (laughs) And my argument would be, why not just promote the thing that you already have and leverage that? That's how passive income is really created, right? Like it's not really passive. It's that it's just leverage because you've already created the thing. And so I think whenever you think through the client journey and you're able to piece out, okay, this is something that they always have a question about. Let me create this thing. Let me promote this thing. Give it a little breathing room, get some feedback and then promote it again. Support the people that you're trying to serve by giving them an opportunity to buy it again or make an offer. I think a lot of people have this like hang up around promoting and about selling because it feels icky. Like I already talked about it, but honestly, most of the people who want to buy from you didn't even see it the first time. And so go ahead, promote it again. Nobody can buy something that's a secret, right? You can't buy a secret. And so if you can show people how to buy it, make it super simple. Here's the link. Here's how much it is. And this is why it's going to serve you, how it's going to serve you. Then they're going to want to be part of it. If you're ready to improve your website today, get my free five website updates to get legit guide by going to lemonandthesea.com slash five updates. There you will find a guide with five easy updates you can make today that are going to make your website stand out, be legal, and it includes free resources that you can check out as well as easy action steps to get you started so that you can start making improvements to your website today. That is at lemonandthesea.com slash five updates. So can we talk a little bit more about the secret sauce that you mentioned? That is sort of what makes you different. And I think you had mentioned at some point that it's sort of the, maybe a differing opinion you have on something. Yes. Oh, thank you for reminding me of that. Yes. So the secret sauce, it can be a couple different ways, right? So whatever the topic is, look at what people are doing around that topic because nothing is really truly unique, but the way that you think about something is unique. And so what is your perspective on it? What are your philosophies? What are your values? And my favorite place when you don't know where to start on this is what pisses you off about that, right? Like about what other people are saying, or what do you totally disagree about? So having that differing opinion can be a really helpful place to start so that you know, like, okay, this is where I want to go different. This is where I have something different to say. Say, for instance, you and all of these other people who talk about, you know, let's say networking are on a panel and like I'm on stage with these people who are also talking about networking. What makes my voice different than anybody else's? How would I disagree with somebody who's saying X, Y, and Z? So my particular perspective on networking and social gluing is that I think that it can be done by everybody and there's not a different way for introverts versus extroverts. It's about connecting 
being relational versus transactional. And so having these sort of words that sound like us are also another way to make your secret sauce even tastier, right? So like we wanted to be more like us, feel like a brand within the brand. So Rayman Co. is the brand. But then if you hear Social Glue, most people who have interacted with Social Glue before know that it's my brand and it's a word that comes from me. And so we're trying to create this recognition of a word with another concept. And that's where the secret sauce really like comes to life. All right. And this also helps us when we're trying to pitch podcasts or guest posts, because we kind of already know our big buckets that we're talking about. And then Mm -hmm. you mentioned that we have talking points is like that seventh step down. So we already kind of know, okay, these are the things that I want to talk about within that. These are the things people might take away from my article or my conversation. So that really helps us feel like we're not just trying to pitch every idea out there. Yeah. I find that before I had verticals, I felt like I was always pulling topics out of thin air. They were sort of like related to what I wanted to talk about, but I was never really like, I didn't have a system to organize all of the thoughts and like the things that I had to say. And so verticals just allows me to make it really clear for myself, most of all, And for my audience, first point is that when you have your keynotes, you can have a topic title so that the podcaster, the keynote presenter, conference that's organizing your talk or whatever, knows exactly what the sexy title is. They know, you know, what the catch is. It's already sort of packaged up. And here are the two talking points, or here are the three things that I'm going to make sure that your audience walks away with that lives inside the keynote teaching points. And then if they're like, wait, that one's not going to work. Do you have another one? You have two or three topics, depending on your verticals, right? Like vertical one, you have this topic, vertical two, you have this topic, vertical three, you have this topic. And so you know that you have three awesome ideas to pitch at the end of the day so that we want to find the best fit for whoever you're pitching. Mm -hmm. And then that way, you know exactly what is to come. And once you're on that podcast or on that blog post, guest blog or whatever, you're tying it back to the right opt-in. You're tying it back to the right offer. And you know exactly where that person is going to get led. I don't want you to get hung up on like, oh, well, everything's not set up. It's okay. Like create an opt-in, get ready for the podcast, get ready for the blog post to go out. And then once you're ready, like once that's settled down, then create the offer later on down the line. It doesn't have to be immediately. Okay. So what do you do if you feel like, you know, you have these verticals and you're pitching a whole bunch of people, but you don't want to necessarily say the exact same thing on every podcast or every guest post. I know I ran up against this in my own business where Mm -hmm. I wanted to talk about these topics, but I didn't want to only be saying the same things. Yeah. I think that's such a great question. So for podcasting, one big tip I have is that come up with different stories that sort of illustrate the points that you're trying to make. And so maybe you have a client story or a case study or an example that kind of illustrates what you're trying to say. And you can have that as like a, maybe an eighth element to your verticals. Maybe just like Jess Rosdell talks about this where you have a story bank. And so you can have a story bank for each topic. That might be helpful. But I think one of the biggest tips I have is that not every conversation is alike. And I would say like, I have talked about verticals on a number of podcasts, but every single interview has been different because the podcaster is different, right? You guys ask different questions and, you know, I get to talk about it in a different way. And so it's really helpful for me to be on a podcast rather than me writing a blog post about the same topic. Mm -hmm. And so 
I don't think it's going to be the same ever. You have the same body of knowledge, but every single time you talk about it, it's going to be a little bit different. So I don't think that's like all that big of a deal. <laughs> right. And the same person isn't going to read every single article you right. wrote about something. So so you're always reaching new people. Yeah. Because your podcast has a different audience than any of the other ones that I've been on that where I've talked about verticals. So how does the verticals method benefit our clients and our customers? I think that it creates a clean pathway for us to lead our potential clients down. And it allows us to have our organizational structure really clear so that we're clear on our messaging and we're not confusing people. Confused people don't buy, right? And so they want to feel taken care of. We want to take care of them. And when we have an organized path, it's so much easier to do that. And so just by having these organized sort of paths for people to go on, like topic one, this is where you go. Topic two, this is where you go. It allows people to know exactly what to pursue next. Yeah. I think it also helps because they know what you're an expert in and you don't yeah. have to feel like you have to know everything, but you can say, these oh, yeah. are the things I'm really good at and they know, okay, this is the person I want to come to for that thing. Oh, I love that. Yeah. I think that's so right. You know, whenever we're trying to think of like an expert in something and you're like, I want to hire somebody for this, or my friend wants to hire for this. And you can't really quite think of somebody who does that thing. And that's why I love the fact that we can have these niches and have topic areas that we're really great at. And the simpler they are, the easier it is for other people to be like, oh, you need to go to Sam for this, or you need to find, you know, so-and-so for this. And it's so much easier to be able to pinpoint who is going to be able to help you and kind of alleviate that pain that you're having. All right. So was there anything else that we didn't cover about verticals that you wanted to share or any tips that you had? I think that one of the biggest things, well, I think we covered it at the beginning, but don't feel like you have to fill this in. And I would say if you already have a body of content, maybe you have blogs or you've done podcast episodes or you've done Facebook lives, I think just organizing it and putting it in this verticals method sort of template helps you to see how much content you already have. And from there, if you want to assess like, oh, this one's done really, really well. I need to create a product around it. Do that. I think that this tool gives you a way to do an audit, which is like a, a very unsexy word, but um, <laughs> to take a look at the stuff that you've already created and what you need to be promoting more of and then leading people to a product that you might already have as well. Right. And I think it gives you a chance to say, you know, this is what's working and maybe you fill in the blanks where it's a really popular topic first, and then you can move yeah. on to the other ones as you have time. Yeah, I think that's so true. And one of the other things that I do in my business is that I listen to my clients pretty intently and I create programs for them. And I like, even if I have something else planned, I might move something because of what my clients are asking for. And so I look at my vertical to see, okay, this is what I had planned for Q1. This is what I had planned for Q2, but this actually fulfills that thing that I was thinking of. And I'll shuffle it around so that like I'm creating the things that I want to create, but also I'm fulfilling what my audience is needing as well. Yeah. So that leads me into sort of a general question, but I know you're really good at this, at figuring out what your clients and your customers want and sort of creating things to meet that need. So how do you do that? And how has that benefited your business? I feel like you have been a person that has been part of this process with me. So <laughs> I feel like I should ask you that question. 
But honestly, I just listen to my people very intently. I create programs out of nothing for these people because I want to serve my clients better. And if I don't already have something that will serve them, and it's not like I need to sell them something. That's not what I'm trying to say. But I think whenever I have the capacity to create something like VIP intensive, um, Samantha came to the two that I had last year, I'm sorry, this year in 2017, (laughs) it feels like a year ago. And we created those because people were saying, this is what I want to learn about. This is what I need in my life. And this is the kind of environment I want to do it in. And then we just created that. And so to kind of answer your question, I think I'm just going to turn it to you and say, like, how has it benefited you to see me create products for y'all? And like, I mean, social glue sessions, which is something that I'm doing right now, and will probably continue to do was an experiment that came from people saying, you know, this is what I need. So I'd love to hear from you. Like, what has that been like on the client side been? I've really enjoyed it because I feel like even when, and I talked about this on another episode, when we did the second VIP intensive and it was about passive income, but a lot of us weren't ready to like actually have a course that we were selling or something that you think of as Mm -hmm. passive income. You were willing to sort of shift and change so that it met us where we were at and sort of brought us to the place where we needed to be for our businesses at the time. And I feel like every time you create something, there's, there's a specific person in mind, a specific need, and it's very focused. You're not trying to f- serve everybody. You're focused in on a certain type of person that you want to serve. And if other people aren't interested or that's not what they're looking for, then that's okay because it's not for right. them. Yeah, I think I'm pretty clear on who things are for and who things are not for, right? We have mastermind programs that are much more expensive than Social Blue Sessions, And people are like, wait, which one is the one that I should be in? And I'm really clear on like, this is where you should be if this person, you should be in this if this is what you're seeing in your business and like not letting those things blur because I want to serve people who are experiencing different things. And so it's going to serve you not as well if you're in the wrong bucket, I guess. And I want to make sure that I am answering the questions that people have. And another thing too, is this is something for all of us to be able to do. Whenever we create a program, it doesn't have to be this like thing that we created and it's done. One thing I really love to do is once I create a program like Social Glue Sessions, I'll answer questions inside the group or create videos or live trainings that go above and beyond what I was expecting myself to do because it was important to answer and Mm -hmm. add value in that way. And that's pretty low hanging fruit for me. I'm not going to make you wait for another session to be able to do it. or I'm not going to make you pay another hundred dollars for this extra training or whatever. I really want to be able to meet people where they are so that they get the value. And those people that you serve well will be repeat clients. And that's kind of like what we're hoping to do with our client base that people who buy will continue to buy because you serve them well. Yeah. Another thing that I liked that you did in social blue sessions was halfway through, you sent out a survey, you asked everybody what was working and what wasn't working and shifted things based on the responses. So people didn't have to feel like, okay, this isn't exactly what I am needing right now for the whole time. You were able to go in and make it change based on what other people needed. (laughs) I got a couple of emails after I did a Facebook live. I kind of read people's comments, not calling people out, but just reading comments about what people were expecting and wanting more of whatever. And people were responding saying, oh my gosh, I can't even believe you read those things. (laughs) Usually people keep those things so 
private or hidden or whatever. I was like, why would I do that? <laughs> it seems so counterintuitive to me. And I just wanted to have a conversation with the group saying like, this is what I'm hearing from you and I want to do better. And I think that's the power of listening to your audience and also checking in with yourself as a service provider or a content creator, or whatever, as like, is this more value? And you have to be careful about not adding so much value at your lower tiers that you're not serving your higher tier people well. People who are paying more money, I'm spending less time with them because I'm creating content for people who are in social blue sessions and I don't want that to happen. Mm -hmm. So I just want to be mindful that this is the time that I spend in this group and this is the space that I am occupying for this time. And then I switch over to my different groups of people. So I think we just have to be mindful that we have a very finite amount of time and energy to spend on the various people that we try to serve. And we just have to do the best we can in that space. Yeah. Thanks for sharing all of that. I've loved seeing how all of this plays out in your business. And I think if people have been following, they're going to see it as well. Um, just the things that you create there's a need for them. Yeah, thanks. So tell me two things that you're loving right now. They can be business or life or one of each, however you want to do it. Oh my gosh, what am I loving right now? I am loving my iPad. Um, <laughs> is that business or play? I'm not really sure. So I bought it because I wanted to learn how to hand letter. 2017 has been a serious year of like me building hobbies because I was on a podcast last year and they're like, what do you like to do for, you know, outside of business? I was like, I don't know. I don't have any hobbies. So <laughs> I've tried ice skating this year, hand lettering, photography. And so I'll be trying more of that next year. Another thing that I'm loving right now is just we're in the midst of planning a trip across the country and not, not a trip, a move across the country. And just the fact that there's so much like excitement and energy around it. So it's not really a thing, but I'm really just excited for my family to be together. My husband's been traveling a lot this past year. And so being in the same city sounds like a great thing. So I'm really excited about that. Well, that kind of leads me to the next question, which is what are you excited for that's coming up in the future? <laughs> Um, I'm excited to be on the West Coast, but I'm kind of nervous. Let's be really honest. Like Samantha and I are both on the East Coast yep. right now. And I love being on the East Coast for business because when I wake up, everyone's waking up versus when I'm on the West Coast, I, I'm going to be behind. So I'm not excited about that, but I am excited to be in the same city as my husband. I'm excited to, you know, kind of explore a new city and kind of start a new life out there. I'm a California girl at heart. And so moving back to California makes me real happy. So yeah, that's what I'm really jazzed about. I'm hoping to do a VIP intensive in 2018 on the West Coast. So more on that later, but people have been asking me to do that. So I might be considering that once I get settled down. Okay. So the last thing, where can people find you online? Yeah, you can find me at reinaandco.com. My name is spelled R-E-I-N-A. And you can find me on Instagram at Rain and Company. I do my best to answer all the DMs that come through, which is absolutely bananas. But um, people like it when I comment back. So I try to do that as much as I can. And um, you can find the verticals template on Trello. You can go to reinaandco.com slash verticals. Okay. Thank you so much for coming on the show. I will share that in the show notes. And I'm excited to see everything that you work on in the future. <laughs> Thanks so much. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to Process to Profitability. Please take a minute to leave an honest review in iTunes so that I can help more small business owners and creative entrepreneurs find the show.